Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Hello, this is Sherry, the host of Bluebells Forever podcast. Coming up is the 100th episode, and it feels like an important time to just stop and give thanks to the people who have made this possible, to you, the listeners, who keep this going. And I would like to thank my guest. Yes, there are 101, because I've had two on it sometimes, and some people have come on more than once. So here is the list of amazing guests that you may or may not have heard, and I am really grateful to each one of them for having taken the time to sit with me and to share their story. The first one was Lindsay Raven, who was the inspiration after the reunion. This is what motivated me to start doing the podcast. Then Elizabeth Thompson, Anne Green, Pete Menefee, Arthur Bodie, Adrian LaPeltier, Donna Browning, Christopher Renfirm, Leslie Bandy, Jeremy Boucher, Renee Rosendahl, Greg Hoff, Lou Allard, Jane Sansby, Natalie O'Hayan, Steve Edge, Amy Timmons, Stephen Green, Liz Elliott, Michelle Brown, Karina Burgess, Savannah Hanell. Rachel Keener, Miles Riley, Brianna Waters, Tim Johnson, Elizabeth Phillips, Nat Guyon, Christopher Nunez, Anne-Marie O'Connor, Victoria Harrington, Eric Nielsen, Athena Pataxel, Michael Sharon, Marissa Burgess, Jonah Wilkins, Liz Larkin, Grant Filippo, Kathy Taylor, James Taylor, Jan Drake-Backey, Hilary Sukanos, Lindy Gist, Sarah Honey, Beatrix Kasten, Alexandra Yuretska, Diana Guest, Amy Nielsen, Paula Vandegrift, Alora Cooper, Billy Goodson, Michael Erdley, Catherine Erdley, Vicki Higgins, Jelana Leffler, Leanna Dominiak, Rosemary Taldehart, Kaylon and Revarte, represented by Simone, Emma, and Sophie, Ellie Wickett, Loretta Wright, Donna Howe, Mark Reed, Joe Conroy, Julia Parker, Irma Voss, Peter Stamford, Laura Pearson, Helly Hansen, Linda Nordvik, Sean Cronin, Leslie Large, Debbie DeCujo, LaMichael Leonard, Don Draper, Pamela Payton, Joe Loke, Stephanie Lawton, Julia Bruyer, Jillian Rushoe, Jacqueline Koenig, Peter Grove, Constance, oh, I'm going to get her last name wrong, we'll just say Constance, Mist and Get. Pat Merle, Kate Matthews, Doug Woods, coming to the end here, Rowena Harker Leader, Samantha Sage, Colombium, Marianne Lamb, Tara Scott, Miranda Coe, Michelle and Lisa Brown, and also we had Janet Kinsman, who was on the Bluebell Adjacent on the Patreon page. So I also want to thank my patrons. Because what Patreon is, it's a page that you can subscribe to where you get bonus content every month. So there's Circleback, where I go back and interview people I've already had on to hear more of their story. We have Happy Hour with Ann and Sherry, which is ridiculous. And we wear showgirl hats and drink wine and tell little bits of our story. We also have Showgirl in Training with one of my dancers, Hannah Mooney, of her pre- preparation to come to Paris and hopefully audition. That's on there. And also something called Bluebell Adjacent, where I interview dancers who are part of the cabaret floor show world, but not necessarily a Bluebell. So that is a Patreon 
Patreon page and you just subscribe and you can pay $5, $10, $20, $25, or $50 a month and you just get bonus content and just help the work of Bluebells Forever to just keep going with the cost. So I want to thank my patrons. We had Christopher Nunez, we had Constance, Elizabeth Phillips, Sean Cronin, Stephanie Lawton, Leslie Larch, and Athena Pataxel. And I have a mystery person that has just the initials and I don't know who it is, but I'm so grateful. So this just helps us to keep going. And so coming up in this episode, I want to make sure I get everybody on here. There's 10 amazing bluebells, and it was so fun to get them all on Zoom together. And it was a little ridiculous as trying to have all, all of us, all ages, figure out how Zoom works and how I get the mics on. So I hope you enjoy this. This was a blast for me just to see everybody, but to see everybody having fun together. So the guest for this episode is Anne Green, Athena Pataxel, Pete Menifee, Rosemary Taldart, Elizabeth Phillips, Rachel Keener, Alexander Yaretska, Mark Reed, Rowena Harker, Leader, and Miles Riley. So those are our guests coming up. I hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening to Bluebells Forever podcast. I feel like I'm having a big tea party, cocktail party in my house right now, a global Bluebell party on Zoom with these amazing people that agreed to do this for our 100th episode of Bluebells Forever. So to me, it felt important to mark this because just, you know, a lot of podcasts drop off after a few months and it's, it's, it's gotten momentum and it's more and more fun because I'm just like, the more of you I meet, then I meet your friends and this is going to keep going. So I just thought, I want to mark this because it's really special that we did a hundred and I've had a hundred of the most amazing guests. So I get some of them here and I really wanted to represent the different decades, the different, um, like Paris, Vegas. I don't think I have anybody from Reno except for me. But yeah, so we have, we have a lot of representation here. So I'm going to have them introduce themselves and we're going to have fun. We may talk over each other. We may have some oopsie daisies and that's, that's how we talk anyway. <laughs> so um, I'm going to have Pete Menifee. Will you start and just tell us a little bit about you and what part of the Bluebell world and Don Arden world you were part of? Sure. Um, I, uh, I, I was a dancer for uh, uh, 12 years. I, I got my equity card when I was 14 and I quit when I was 26. I thought I thought I was too old and uh, uh, and began designing and uh, eventually ended up designing for Don Arden. I did uh, my first cabaret show was Hello Hollywood. Hello in Reno. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then I did Jubilee for Don and uh and after Jubilee, I, uh, I drew almost an entire new show for Reno. And when I was almost done, they sold the uh, property. So uh, I didn't get to do a third show for Don, but, but I drew it and we had meetings. And, and I heard- When you say that. design, what do you mean design? Costume sets? Costumes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, wow. I became a costume designer. And, uh, and I worked with Folco in Paris. Uh, on the Shirley MacLaine yes. special of Alelido. And uh, uh, I, I had a great time doing it. And Don, Don uh, as, as difficult as Don could be, he was always a gentleman with me, but uh, he, he opened the whole world for me. Uh, I, uh, I, had, I had worked in Hollywood and I'd worked in New York. So I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, someone who just fell off the uh, the cabbage truck but uh, don 
opened everything for me. Uh, I, all of a sudden I was working in Paris and, uh, and working with Maison Favrier. And it's funny because the, uh, my French is really rotten. The only stuff I really know is uh, tits and feathers stuff, uh, boucle de Ray and soutien gorge and stuff. And I can't, I can't order food, which is really a problem in Paris. But, uh, but I'm, pretty, I'm pretty fluent in rhinestones and feathers. Uh, I'm going to actually have a switch over to Miss Anne Green, who got to wear some of your beautiful costumes. Oh. So thanks, Pete. So Miss Anne, sure. tell us about how, where and how you wore Pete's costumes. Yes, I had that great honor in uh, Jubilee in Las Vegas. And I was a tall bluebell there and a swing. And I would swing into any role possible. Because uh -huh. uh, after a year of being a bluebell, I was ready to learn more stuff. So um, anything I could get into to swing into, I would. And I was there from 1992 to 94. And I loved it. Every minute of it. I met my husband there. He was a dancer in Jubilee as well. His name's Stephen Green. He came from the ballet world and ended up in rhinestone G-strings with me. And uh, we've, been, we've been married ever since. We got married in 97. So we we're celebrating uh, 24 years of marriage together. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Ed. I'm playing Hollywood Squares. I'm looking at how I can connect these here. For the X for the line, not quite. Um, Elizabeth Phyllis, will you tell us uh, when and where? I was uh, a Bluebell for nine months. In 1960, 1961, I was on an Italian tour the Deporto, with the Deporto Spettacolo, which was the days when the Bluebell, Bluebell life was very strict. Um, and uh, as a side matter, I wrote masses and masses of letters to a boyfriend. So recently published a book based on all those letters. So if you want to know what that's what like it, it's, it was like in those days with the book. What's the name of your book, Elizabeth? I read it and I love it. But I want everybody else to hear it. We'll travel. Have Chignon, we'll travel. It's wonderful. So have a listen. I laughed out loud. I got emotional. It was wonderful. And it's like she did the tour, which is different than you know, being in one place. So you all have such a different perspective, which takes me to Rowena. Because can you we're going to me. Yes, we can. can. Oh, yep. good. Because I'm getting confused with this mute button. I, I was um, I was the first with the show that went to pa to Las Vegas from Paris in 1958, in July, June 58 to July 59. It was the most amazing time. Um, there are so many things that I was thinking about when you were talking, all of you, and now I can't remember anything. Um, <laughs> well, you <laughs> and, also oh, wrote a book. Well, yes, I, oh, yes, I've also written a book because I wrote all the letters home because you couldn't possibly, uh, there was no email or phone calls in those days. So I wrote great long letters home. And so I've written a book as well. It's called Love and Laughter Around the World. And I wrote 54 letters home because I wrote one every week. And I've praised them. You'll be pleased to hear. And um, it was it was an amazing time. And soon I shall remember all the things I've just forgotten in the last five minutes, which is what happens <laughs> when you're 85. <laughs> and it's such a bloody bore. I can't tell you because <laughs> you remember things when people are talking. I mean, you were talking about Falco and Don Arden. I used to love them both. 
I really, you know, it was the first when I was in Paris rehearsing, when we were all rehearsing 28 bluebells to go to Las Vegas. It was so amazing because none of us really thought we were ever going to get there. We, we thought it was all a bit of a joke, you know. And then we got on the aeroplane and flew there and had all the publicity. And, and Miss Bluebell, of course, talking about, um, Elizabeth was talking about Bluebell being strict well of course when, when we arrived in Vegas um, she they expected us to sort of go out and entertain all the all the men you know and, and we sort of semi I don't know what we were expected to do but but anyway Miss <laughs> Bluebell put her foot down she put her foot very firmly down and said no her girls did not do that sort of thing and so we were never expected to um, you know entertain the men at all but that had been happening of course with all the dancers and showgirls in Las Vegas before we arrived I mean we were such a load of jolly hockey sticks girls you know we weren't we weren't normal so a lot of the girls have been in Cleopatra you remember the R Richard Burton Elizabeth Taylor film in Rome and a lot of the girls had come from there and they were very sophisticated but a lot of us were just very new and very naive like me I was a showgirl of course I what? Why do you say hockey stick? What jolly hockey sticks? Oh, it means what does jolly hockey sticks mean, Elizabeth? <laughs> it means that they were all frightfully nice, you know. We were all rather nice and rather upper class girls when we weren't we weren't hookers on the side. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll come back to you because Rowena, I know we're gonna jog Sorry. your memories. That was so good. Because then we're going to go much. one of the oldest bluebells to one of our youngest bluebells, Alexandra, and you're going to tell us what your part in the bluebell world is. <laughs> Hello, so my name is Alexandra Eretzka, and I'm in the cast of the current show, Bay Mave, which I joined in 2018, and I'm still dancing in it. <laughs> and I had to prompt you last time, Alexandra, to share what's happened, because I think it's exciting, because I followed your journey for quite a while and I've been waiting for you to announce this. So when you told me, like I did a happy dance. So what's going on with you right now? Uh, so I got recently promoted and I'm learning uh, Sublime spot in the Sublime line, which is a soloist part. I'm also very, very, very happy about it. Awesome, congratulations. Um, okay, so now we're gonna jump up in our Hollywood squares, Athena Pataxel. Hey there, I'm Athena Pataxel. I was in Jubilee from 2000 to 2005. I started off as a bluebell because I was too scared to go topless. <laughs> but then three months <laughs> in, they offered me a tall nude spot and I became a tall nude, started the understudying principal. And then I switched over to the short nude line because that was more my height. I'm only 5'9". And then I was promoted to principal in 2005 and I got to dance with... Linda Green and Marlena in the principal line. And all, what else do you do on your free time? I, oh, in my free time? Well, there's no free <laughs> Which you don't there's have no any. free time, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a workaholic. Uh, I run the podcast Showgirls Life and that I have actually been trying to stay away from Sherry's people. <laughs> we have Rosemary <laughs> as a... Uh, Rosemary and Pete are the only two that we've, um, we, uh, and Lindsay Raven, sorry, we've done um, double, double uh, interviews, but I, I do that. I run a website called Showgirls Life, where I am helping women be more confident in their bodies with one-on-one -on -one coaching. I will have a really awesome program releasing next year about shining your life. 
So thank you, Athena. Hmm. That's been really fun for us to get to know each other because like finding out we both started a podcast, we were saying we could be feeling competitive, but like, oh man, there's room. There's so many bluebells. There's so many stories. We can actually support each other. And we've actually interviewed each other. We did a road trip together. So it's really fun to see that there's enough for everybody. I think that was the title of our first podcast together. Um, Thank you. And then Rachel Keener. I think I'm going to get the zero, the X in the way. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I worked with uh, Blue and Don Arden on Jubilee, started in rehearsals in 80, um, had a little fire at the MGM and then came back and (laughs) kept Pete's laughing. And then we uh, launched the show. So I worked with the original choreographers. So Winston and Tom, and of course, Don Arden directing us. And there was uh, Rich Rizzo as well. So fabulous time. I also feel like I've been a bluebell all my life because I grew up with my mother's stories, who was with Blue from 50 to 54. And she worked in Paris, toured Italy and did Finland uh, Mm -hmm. before meeting my father. So my husband is the person that I met um, 40 years ago, and he was plain clothes security at the time, Pete. I don't know if you ever ran into him, but he was plain clothes security, not in show business whatsoever. Life took us in different directions, and we got married only three years ago. So that's how much Las Vegas is in my life. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. Thank you, Rachel. And then we've got Mark. Reed, but your name says something different under there, but Mark Reed. Yeah. Fledberg is my born name because we're Norwegian and German, but um, born and raised in North Dakota. I'm a cowboy, uh, grew up on a farm. My daddy was a champion polka dancer, so I first became a professional ballroom dancer and managed an Arthur Murray School ballroom dancing in Minneapolis. And they transferred me to Vegas, and I was kind of over dancing um, the whole it's a whole psychological thing. So that's when I auditioned for City Lights, as I said earlier. Um, and I see Miles. Miles, we work together somewhere. Oh, he's yeah. muted. <laughs> now we'll come. We'll come to Miles okay. next. Let's let's stick um, with you. Then Miles, I'll so go to Miles. Firstly, next. City Lights and ice skating. And I saw the podcast with Miles, ice skating, brave man. Um, you know, and it was with the sequin dresses where they pushed the ladies out and they go across with their breasts bare and then they catch them on the other side. Uh, very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> That's what was fun. And then, as I said, I, I just for the Lido in Las Vegas, which that was Ali Lido at the Stardust, which is no longer there. I cried because that was such a beautiful sign. And for me, the most wonderful show um, of all of them, because it was classy, called Porter Gershwin. Um, and that's when I auditioned for a bluebell who would come to Vegas to hire for Paris. Uh, and so I was hired for the new show, Panache. And then, as I said, one guy didn't show up and she said, would you, would you come? Would you, would you come now? And I said, yeah. Um, and so I sold my car, went to say goodbye to my parents. And I was on the plane saying, what am I doing? I don't speak French. Like Pete, I knew how to say, and Keller until that was it. Um, so I got to do the last part of Cocorico. And the fun part is when you talk about Don Arden, and maybe we'll get to this later, but I didn't know who these people were. I mean, I was a farm boy from North Dakota. And in retrospect, thank you, Sherry, um, to all this information and the program that was made for the reunion, realizing how important and how brilliant 
Don Arden was and Rich and Winston and all of those choreographies, they were just my buddies and they said jump and we jumped. And now in retrospect, 40 years later, I realized what a wonderful, incredible chance we all had to work with these brilliant men. Oh, thank you, Mark. <laughs> so let's go to let's go to Miles now, since you have that in common. Sure. Uh, my name is Miles Riley. As you can see behind me, there is a Panache poster, which I purchased on one of my many trips to Paris after working there. I was on the um, there was some card on the send that I bought it from. Anyway. My story is a funny one. I almost opened in Jubilee, I, but I auditioned. They did something very unique. They never used to audition in New York, but they auditioned in New York and I got the job the same week I got two other jobs. And one of my dreams was to dance at Radio City. And so I turned that down to dance at Radio City. So that's how, kind of how my career started. Um, I later, years later, I worked at the Stardust, but at the Lido, but not in the show. I was in an act called Fantasy Factory it was a puppet act that I was the lead dancer with. And the funny thing is Mark auditioned to replace me when um, I was leaving. And then um, he decided not to take the job. And then the, uh, the, they, the show was gonna move on with someone else. So I ended up staying an extra two weeks. And from that, I always wanted to do the Lido, but I thought I wanted to do it in Paris. So years later, I was in Germany on an industrial and I had five days off. So I thought I'm going to Paris. And I literally just walked in and said, I'd like to audition. And um, I had also had seen in Paris Match, there was a picture of the new show Panache had just opened. And there was this one costume. I said, oh my God, I want to wear that so bad. And so I walked in, auditioned. And, you know, a month later I was in the show. And then, <laughs> um, um, and the, then eventually, and I didn't get to wear that costume right off because it was a soloist spot. And then about a month into the show, there were two cover swings where um, Todd and Steve Ave Maria. Todd, what is, I'm going blank on his last name. Anyway. Bandora. Uh, yes, Bandora. yes. And they had an overlap vacation. And so there was like four days that there would be no, you know, cover if somebody got hurt. And Pierre said to me, oh, you know, I want you to learn this spot. You'll never go on. And then I started learning it that day. And that night, one of the guys got injured in the show and I ended up going on mid-show. So uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, but some of my happiest memories are at, at, um, at the Lido in Paris. And in fact, in my first interview, Sherry asked me, and a lot of people always ask me, what is your favorite job you've ever done? And I've danced all over the world from New York to Vegas to Paris, you name it. And there was just something very special about dancing in Paris. And it's, you know, it wasn't the job I was expecting to love and want the most, but um, it was one of my favorite things I've ever done. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, Miles. Mm. And then we're, we're uh, Rosemary is gonna send us Hello. off here with hers. Yeah, so lots of bluebells know me as Rosebud over the years. I was 18 when I um, had seen See the World the Bluebell Way in a news periodical. So I wrote a letter to Miss Bluebell in Paris and 48 hours later, her London agent phoned me to meet Miss Bluebell. I went to London, Miss Bluebell flew in from Paris. We met at the Max River studio I was wearing a uh, ballet exam tunic, tights and everything. And she said, do something. That was just her, me and my mom. 
And so I, Allegro, pirouettes, whatever she wanted was what I performed. And she's handing my mother a contract for Paris. But my mother was adamant. She was absolutely adamant that I finished my training for my teaching credentials with the Royal Academy and the ISTD. So it was four months later that I went to Paris where I danced until she offered me a contract for Rome Television. There was a Bluebell contract for Rome Television. So um, uh, when I got there, there was a strike. So all the Bluebells went sightseeing while that was fixed. After Rome Television, I came back to England and I taught in a London theatrical school. <clears throat> While there, I was asked to come to Las Vegas. And by then it was September, 1966, that I arrived in Las Vegas for three shows, the 7th, the 8th, and the 9th, ending December of 1972, oh. where many stories on all of that. Then I got involved in casino dealing with Lefty Rosenthal, who was the mob character appeared on his show uh, and then I got involved with teaching dance and opened up my own ballet academy and with another bluebell uh, we brought RAD and ISTD examinations to Las Vegas for 30 years. I married 40 years ago, retired in 2013 and love traveling. That's in a nutshell, but there's a lot of things I've left out, obviously. Right. We're going to tell, uh, I will post which episodes are the ones that you guys had your full story because people, are, if they haven't heard it, I hope they go back and hear it. But these are nutshells for a bunch of nuts. So thank you all. <laughs> so we're going to, I asked all these guests if they would ask a question to the group. And I don't know if they prepared anything. I have one to start us off with, and then we'll just see where this goes. Um, my, I'm going to start with the deepest that make you think really hard back into your emotions. What was your audition outfit? <laughs> Rachel. Okay, so um, I had two auditions. One with Peter Baker, who by then was a very old man, and he put me into a white see-through leotard that had a G-string back to it. And <laughs> I, I halfway put it on and I saw myself in the mirror before I came out into the room where he was and I took it off and I put my own leotard back on and I said I'm sorry I'm not doing that for you um, and then I interviewed um, uh, I auditioned with Blue in London and everyone had said to me have bare legs and I was like why would I want bare legs I've got fishnets <laughs> anyway did bare legs and it was um, a beautiful bright ruby red lurexy type leotard and I just was determined to stand out and be different from all the other girls and because I'm quite small to be a bluebell girl I had the highest highest heels that I could dance in I just was on tiptoes and they said to you she said how tall are you and I said five nine and she said you're not and I said no I'm five eight and she said, do you dance? And I said, yes, I do. And as you have said, she said, do something. So um, I did some pirouettes. I did some um, whatever, whatever. And I guess it was the red leotard. And then she whipped me off to the, the, the lady's loo and she said, show me your boobs. So I had to show her what my boobies were like. And she's like, oh, they're very good. So that was it. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. She also said, are they your own? Um, and I was like, yes, of course, because in England, you didn't do things like that to your body. So it was, yes, they were my own. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you, Rachel. Um, Anne, I'm going to ask you just because we don't know if you're going to have to be bumped off of this for work, but Anne, will you tell us, because you're an 80s girl, 90s girl, what was your audition outfit? Um, I'm trying to remember because it definitely was as full back as those 80s. It wasn't a G-string necessarily, like a legit G-string, but it was the kind where I actually went to Vegas um, and called Tropicana at Bally's and I, I booked myself private audition. So I went an audition for Jubilee um, in between shows with the, the dance captain for the tall bluebells and then Fluff Laco came down to meet me as well. So I think I had my, I think it was my favorite bright blue, high French cut leotard. I think I had proper tights on because I don't think I was introduced to the world of fishnets quite yet. And I had that belt that we would wear in the eighties where you put it <laughs> underneath the back part of your leotard, but in the front, it would do that little, the little whoop, that yeah. little clasp. So I'm pretty sure I was rocking that. And it was a mock turtleneck. So it was like the cut where your arms are out, mock turtleneck, the whole thing with the high French cut and the, and that, that wonderful elastic with the metal class belt. And I'm pretty sure that's what I rolled in with. And um, I didn't get it. I didn't get the job because it was mid-contract. So I went back up to Washington State, enrolled in community college and got a temp job. And then Fluff called me about a month later and said, somebody broke contract, but I'd like to come down. And I said, uh, I'm packing my car. I'm on my way. Let's do this. And that was how that <laughs> Thanks, Ms. Ann. Anybody yeah. else want to share your audition outfit? <laughs> Elizabeth. I am pretty sure, you know, I had not been before. My first audition would have been with Peter Baker because mm. I, uh, let me see, I'm trying to think back. I had had this singing job in a pantomime. So I owned some fishnets, some black feet, and they weren't tights, they were separate stockings where you had to haul the one side to the other side of your waist. They were crippling if you didn't waste <laughs> Um, but anyway, while I was on the pantomime, which I had actually got as a singer, but we did a little bit of dancing, um, I I had auditioned for some sin some sisters. I saw in the stage there was the, the Lana sisters needed another sister. One of their sisters was in those days there were a lot of singing sisters, and I had to take a photograph. And I know what I dolled myself up for in that photograph. And I'd bought these black, really high-heeled shoe, suede shoes. And aunt had given me five pounds and I'd blown them all on these suede high-heeled shoes. And I'd got a black leotard, which was three-quarter sleeves, but very low at the back, low at the front. And I thought I looked gorgeous. So that is, I'm certain that is what I wore, my black fishnet stockings and my black tight. And I'm sure, now that would have been to see Peter Baker, but then when he, then when I was going to see Bluebell, he said, you've got to do something. You, you, you're, he complained because I always wore this, I think he called it ratty leotard because he saw me quite often, you know, see if I'd improved through the months as I was learning to dance. And, and I said, well, um, 
the one that I always wear, the ratty one, because that's the one I cut the legs, the, the leg holes to make my legs look longer. And I didn't want to cut my good looking ones. You know, I didn't want to put scissors to good looking, good clothes. He said, no, you've got to cut your good ones. So I took a good pair and cut them to make my legs look longer. So I did change, you know, I did wear a different leotard to actually see blue belt. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I want to jump over to Alexandra because you're from the new cast. What what do you audition for with in nowadays? Well, first time I auditioned, first time ever I auditioned, I had no idea how I should look because I was coming from a ballet world. So I wore black tights, black, just normal leotard, just plain black leotard. I had the ballet bun and I had no makeup on. I put my onesie on top of it and really thick socks. And I was doing my degage on the side to warm up. And I basically did half of a bar to warm up. And then I realized I was already late for the audition and they've already started <laughs> learning the choreography. So that didn't go well, as you can imagine. <laughs> but then um, during my first contract in La Nouvelle F, so another cabaret, uh, I learned how I should look. And I remember uh, the day before auditioning for the Lido, I got dressed. I knew that I had to wear fishnets and I had proper shoes. And I sent a picture of myself to a friend of mine. She's also Polish and she's working at the Lido as well. And I sent her a picture of myself and she said, you've got it. And she was right. <laughs> uh. <laughs> do you, for now, do they want to see Baird Midrift and... And like broad tops, or what do they want you to audition for with in the for the Lido? What do they want you to wear to see your body? Um, or do they well usually girls when I arrived for the first time, I was really surprised because there were some girls like they had fake lashes but really big ones, like for the stage. And obviously it's not the same, not the same situation. And they were wearing already G-string and and just a bra. So they're different kind of outfits I can say but I was just wearing a leotard and obviously high heels and fishnets and the lower bun very classy they they really want you to look classy and have a little bit of makeup to look presentable but not overdone um so I guess that's that's what you should do when you're trying to audition <laughs> for those listening who are going to do this. So I'm just curious how much it changes is almost everybody's interview. They talk about the awful outfit because hardly anybody was prepared. So that's why I love to see who showed up in unitards. Rosemary, what was your outfit? Um, I had just taken a ballet exam. So I was with the pink tights and the black leotard and very simple. I had my toe shoes, my ballet shoes, my character shoes, and my tap shoes with me because I did not know what was expected of me. And uh, I think Miss Bluebell always liked the good, wholesome girls. She did not, as a, I think Bunty was mentioning, she did not want the hooker type appearance. So um, she was very appreciative if the mom came along and she understood a little of the home background. Uh, she wanted to groom you herself. She did not want, you know, cheap ladies mm. of the night at all. <laughs> so that was a plus. I didn't yeah. know it at the time, but it was a plus. <laughs> uh, Rowena, what did you wear? <laughs> Listen, my stage name, it isn't Bunty and it isn't Rowena. I was known as Lynn. <laughs> but my, 
I feel to be here under very heavy false pretenses, really, because I became a bluebell, really, because I wanted to travel. And in 1958, I desperately wanted to go to America. I'd lived in Paris and, and all around Europe, and I really wanted to go to the States. And I, it was the only way I could possibly go was to become a bluebell. But of course, I went and I told my parents when I left Yorkshire that I was going to audition for a show that was going to Jersey. That's a little island off the south coast of England. And, and I, I went to see Miss Bluebell and I did a little dance for her or something. And then she took me into the back room, as, um, as you said, uh, Rachel, you said you were taken into the back room. And then um, I was asked to take, you know, drop off. And I didn't really know why or, or anything. I was so naive and innocent and stupid beyond belief. And Miss Bluebell, though, I was five, ten and a half, you know. And so I, I, I was, she wanted me to sign there and then on the spot. She gave me a pen and I had it in my hand ready to sign. But, and I signed later. But um, it really, the, uh, Peter Baker was there as well, of course. He was he he was very influential with her, but Miss Bluebell evidently knows. I was told later that the minute you walk into the room, she knows if she's going to take you. You know, she could look at a girl and just know immediately whether she wanted to take them. I don't oh, know how wow. true that is, but wow. I think she was she was very wise. Really, she yeah. was very wise. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I love hearing it from people who actually audition with Miss Bluebell. It's such a different than the generation now that have never it met was. her. Oh gosh, yes. I just think I was wearing street clothes, really, when oh. I went. Yeah, <laughs> you had you, you had that something special. Um, anybody <laughs> else? Who else has a, a audition outfit story? <laughs> Athena, what were you wearing? Uh, like Alexandra, I came from the ballet world and I had no idea what I was getting into. I was just told, <laughs> you have to go because Fluff will love you. So I went, I had to borrow everything. I borrowed a pair of tan character shoes that with like an inch and a half heel that I, I hadn't done. I hadn't worn character shoes while dancing since character class when I was 16 in Russia. <laughs> so I hadn't danced in, in heels for a long time. I think it had How been How tall like are you? How tall five are you? Five foot nine, five foot nine. And so um, I, I, I had to borrow fishnets. And I had to borrow a leotard because all the leotards I had were all low, like low cut. They didn't come up on the hips uh, like they did in the eighties. <laughs> and so I borrowed a leotard of my friends. She had a really like high cut because she knew the secret to make your legs look longer. Mm -hmm. And, and then I wore, uh, um, I think I wore a high bun that time. I wasn't sure, but I did wear a bun. And then I wore my stage makeup, my ballet. I'm doing air quotes, ballet, makeup, <laughs> which is not anywhere near as glamorous and gorgeous as showgirl makeup. <laughs> um, and like, uh, I'm really surprised with what Rowena was saying about like Bluebell knew Fluff mm -hmm. and Diane must have known something because I I'm sorry, sorry. I've got two phones. <laughs> because I, I swear I looked like Bambi on ice in those shoes on that steel stage because uh, this this there was like steel bars for the elevators and things and I was like Bambi on ice it was probably the worst audition I've ever done in my life <laughs> wow and that's so funny we're all we all made it <laughs> I didn't yeah. mean to do, to save the men for last but men what did you wear for your audition I don't want to leave the blank spot. um I wore what I wore basically to 
every audition, which there was a time, at the time there was a jazz band called Second Skin and that had a, didn't have that much of a flared bottom. And I normally always wore a bright color, but because I was by myself, I wore black, but I always then wore a cap sleeve bright t-shirt. And I, similar thing, um, as far as, you know, I came in, Blueville said, and this surprised me, she was like, well, do a ballet combination, which I wasn't expecting something like that. So I'd done chorus line, so I did the ballet combination from a chorus line. She goes, well, give me a jazz combination. And I thought, don't do the same show. So um, I figured it's Lolita, so I did something with lots of kicks. And, um, and then Steve taught me the opening number and I'm very good at picking up quickly and I couldn't get it to save my life. <laughs> I was terrible. I was, was there, it was just one of those days that's like, and I could see the look on his face of like, oh my God, what do I have here? And um, I couldn't get it. And I did, but it was like, ugh. And so I was expecting to hear, thank you very much. And then she offered me a contract, which I signed that night. <laughs> wow. And then when I learned the show, I learned it really well. I was like, I was so determined. I was like, I got to the first rehearsal and I thought, I don't want him to think I can't pick things up. And then it was fine from then on. <laughs> Mark, what did you wear? I I know I, I think this when Miles said something about these dance skin, I think I had the dance skin pants on that I took jazz class with, but they were big bell bottoms. So when you move, <laughs> the pants kept moving. Um, and I and, and I did um, a, a red shirt. I think we all agreed that if you were red or somebody said they had sparkles in her leotard, you do stand out. And I know the ballet world, you're in black or nude, but that was kind of the, the thing. Um, I don't, Bluebell was there, but she didn't ask to see my boobs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, she, she didn't give the dance combinations. So she didn't say, do this, do that. Um, that's what amazes me. Um, I'm trying to remember as Richard Winston were there and they would give us a combination and then we would have to do it with them and pick up quickly or as Miles said, not so quickly, but um, Blueville just kind of stood and sat in the in the theater and, and, you know, just liked you or not. And we had to sing too. We had to dance. We also had to sing a song because she uh, wanted singers. Oh, no, interesting. Wow. Um, wait, I want to get to Pete. And then, wait, are you guys asking about that one? We have hands up. because We have, have an people. overall male question. So we'll wait for Pete. Yeah, let's do Pete. And then we'll have an overall male question. So Pete, you didn't get audition for Bluebell or Don, but what was your audition outfit? Because you you were auditioning for very different things. You hopefully didn't show up in a G-string for what you did. <laughs> Nobody would want to see that. <laughs> There's too much hair involved. <laughs> and uh, I, I auditioned for Don like everybody else did. Uh, but I auditioned in a, a pair of chinos and a polo shirt. And I took my, uh, all my sketches from Disney and, and uh, you know, and then Don, Don made me draw on spec. And he did the same thing with Bob Mackey and Ray Agyan when they did Hallelujah Hollywood. We had to draw for him before we were hired. And he would give us something. He gave me the, uh, uh, the Fred Astaire showcase and he wanted uh, five different showgirls. So, you know, you go home and, and knock it out and hope he likes it. And uh, <clears throat> in, uh, in Hello Hollywood Hello, Don just hired me at first for the circus finale, for the MGM circus. Uh, 
which was a lot of fun to do because I guess he liked all my Disney stuff that I had. And uh, Bill Campbell, a, a good friend of mine was designing the opening with the airplane and San Francisco. <clears throat> and the fourth number was gonna be Ben-Hur. And I used to get down on my knobby knees every night and pray that I did not get Ben-Hur. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> you know, Jesus, what a terrible idea for a cabaret show. You know, <laughs> you've, got, you've got leprosy, you've got a horse race and crucifixion. I didn't know what to make of any of them. And uh, fortunately, uh, that, that spring Star Wars came out and Don decided to do space and, and gave me that number as well. And it, it was oh, terrific. It was really, really a lot of fun. I never worked a lot with plastics, but uh, almost the entire number uh, was, you know, crazy stuff. It was female robots and, and <laughs> an underworld in space that had all the dancers with big horns on. And it was very strange. But the number, <clears throat> the space number got me the job working with KISS designing <laughs> the dynasty tour for KISS. So it was a, a, a big jumping off point for me. And it, and it was so much fun to do. But, uh, but he auditioned all of us. I mean, he didn't just, you didn't walk in the office and Don would say, oh, good, you've got the job. You know, you had to show him what you could do. And he was, as, as all of you know, he was extremely particular. Mm. Yeah. His auditions were legendary. And yeah. I've, I've uh, as a designer, I've, I've sat next to him during a lot of them. And uh, mm -hmm. I used to think that dancers or singers <clears throat> who uh, didn't have the physical attributes uh, or, or were lacking in them, uh, had a death wish to get on stage in front of him because he would, mm. he would be uh, very outspoken about what they looked like, you know? Yeah. It was, uh, it was, that was very difficult. But, Doesn't matter if you're wearing a red leotard, if you don't have the rest of it. So Rachel, you had, Rachel, what were you gonna ask? Well, it was just about that actually, because Blue didn't particularly come at you with uh, any on shame on that she wanted you to, to dance. She had other people putting people through the audition. I remember after the fire, we all got back together in London and other uh, young blues were auditioning and she shoved someone at me and said, do something before Don sees her. So I was trying to hoik up her leotard and bring down her fringe to hide the high forehead. And I was saying, you need makeup and I'm slapping slap on her and all that kind of thing. But Pete, Pete knows that auditioning for Blue was courteous. Auditioning for Don was the polar opposite of that. And I didn't go through that. But listening to Don, I mean, people would walk on the stage and he'd go, next, before they even open their mouths. Or <laughs> he was brutal, wasn't he, Pete? I know yeah. that you know. And, you know, we'll hold back because Don isn't here. But, oh, my goodness, he was, he was tough. <laughs> Rowena, what were you going to say? Yeah, talking about 
Don Arden. It it's really amazing because he 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 had he had his great favorites and in those days in my day of course there was no such thing as silicone boobs you know we were all au naturel and i mean don adored my dearest friend anne because her boobs i mean it was like two fried eggs you know that was all she had and don adored her and we all had different shaped boobs now when i see a show that you two young ones are in it's it's absolutely amazing because you know one has enhanced boobs but it was unheard of of course when i was young and all our boobs were entirely different you know there were droopy ones there were perp ones there were little ones and big ones and floppy ones and ones that bounced all around you know it was it was so amazing when i think we were 12 showgirls and our boobs were absolutely ridiculous by today's standards but Anne was oh my Don's goodness. favorite with her two fried eggs. I mean, she, oh. she's like a boy, really. That's why Don adored her. She could, whenever we wanted to ask Don, you know, to do something, we would always get Anne to go and see him because we knew that, uh, you know, she was his favorite. <laughs> but the boob, the boob situation, really, when you think about it, it's hilarious, you know, compared with how it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to go back to Alexandra because the Lido has a 75 year anniversary and they have a tableau that is a tribute to all the years. So they get to wear some of the costumes that some of you may have worn. I'm so excited to see the show in April. But Alexandra, mm -hmm. which, which shows are represented that you guys are wearing in the show now that goes back through the different shows? Uh, this new part of the show uh, is called Inubiyabi. And we start with the panache number. I, I guess it was an opening number with the um, hats, big uh, pink feather hats and long um, second black skirts. Mm -hmm. So we wearing those costumes. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there is one number from, I think it's from Cocorico. It's called, I got a kick. Mm -hmm. um, Say magnifique. But, is there anything from Say magnifique? There is number from Say magique. And I do this number and it's the, it, we always get such an applause on this number. It's incredible. Every mm -hmm. time, every night, the biggest applause is after that number. Uh -huh. And then uh, the last one is uh, from Alelido with the big yellow feathers. Uh -huh. I was talking to, I don't remember, I think it was Cologne about the, the tags that are inside the costumes because I've gone through producers I used to work for and like you can see like the, the tags over the tags are scratched off but just to think of like she may be wearing a costume that either you or somebody in your cast wore and how many tags and how many people have worn it I just love that they brought that back and to think mm -hmm. something you wore may be represented on that stage so mm -hmm. um, I know that um, Athena had a question and she posted it so Athena do you want to ask your question and we'll see who's brave to answer because I haven't read what it is so you might surprise me what yeah. you're going to ask it's a it's a deep one. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> I've asked a couple of my guests and they're like, can you send that ahead of time? Because that I need time for that, but we'll see what everyone says if they want to answer it. And my question is what one lesson experience or standard from bluebells did you carry forward in your life to help you shine? Because <laughs> mm. I think we all carried all of those standards and skills, but some of we transferred into different careers and things. So I'm just curious what Mark's got yeah. his hand up. 
Yay. Um, I read that I read that uh, message and, and I think it's a good um, it's a good thing and I think we must all agree it's the whole machine thing um, which I was amazed when you're 70 people on stage and you have elevators and stairs coming in and waterfalls and volcanoes <laughs> everybody has a place and there were times when people weren't in the right place and they got injured um, but that whole whether you have a good day or a bad day or you get on with the people in your line or not, you still got to go out there with a smile. And I don't think a lot of I don't know. I don't know you young girls. You're there. So you must have the same discipline. Um, but it wasn't about, oh, I'm having a bad day. I'm not going to smile or whatever. You did what you did. And this the, the rigor of working every night and doing the same performance night after night because we loved it. But also that was our job. Um, and I think still today, I try not to complain. Um, I'm now a ballroom dancer um, and I teach people who are getting married to dance for the opening of the wedding ball. So I basically teach people in love how to dance together. It's just a wonderful job. Um, but I still um, attack it with the same professionalism. If I'm having a bad day or they're having a bad day, you suck it up and you do it. That's your job. And I think that's something that makes us um, survive in this horrible world that we live in right now. Mm. Rosemary, I'm going to have you go next and then I'll have you turn your mic off because we're your paper shut. We can hear your paper. So did you did you have an answer to her question? Because Well, I just remain uh, forever indebted to Miss Bluebell for the amazing opportunities she afforded me as she did for countless others. I appreciated being involved in Don Arden's incredible staging. Without doubt, this later on greatly influenced me with my own dance recital productions. Because without having been a Bluebell and without having had Don Arden's staging, I don't think I would have succeeded as well as I did mm -hmm. as a teacher and mm -hmm. as a producer for my own children. And I, I am forever grateful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Who else wants to tackle that one? Rachel. Um, I think for me, it was um, just bringing the excitement that people who came to see the show were feeling. So mm. just as Mark said, you can't have a bad day. And everybody in your line might be going through so many different things. But it's red curtain up. And feel that excitement for them and just produce. And every day I face challenges with work as we all do and just, you know, all that sort of thing. But my day is mine and I bring as much excitement to it as I can for other people and for myself and you get through it. And by the time it's like the end of the, the day and the show has finished, then you can sit and you can relax, but you mm -hmm. bring your day. You know, you bring your best self and you do the best because that person paid quite a considerable amount of money, has been looking forward to it, has been talking to their friends about it. And there are some people who still have their programs and they'll go, I was at that show. Mm. And if you That's didn't do your best on that night, that was not doing them well. So I think doing your best every time and just produce every day is what I learned from doing that show. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> Who else wants to add to that? Yeah, Rowena. Lynn. Miss Bluebell always <laughs> used to say that 
when when she had a nucleus of English girls, everybody did work very well. And she said the French could get, there aren't any French ones here, are there? No. <laughs> uh, they said, she, they, she said they could get quite lazy, you know. And she said the Germans had short bodies and long legs and the French had long bodies and short legs. But the Brits were usually the best. <laughs> we were fairly balanced. But she did always say, think that you had to, you know, every show, I mean, they used to watch, I, I'm sure they still do that. Do, do they still watch you and, and every girl with binoculars? We used to, you know, somebody would be sitting there with the binoculars watching the show. And then any girl who didn't do her best and was did something wrong would be singled out after the show and taken to see Miss Bluebell. And, and, and we did 850 shows in Las Vegas, I remember. And you will have done many more. Who was it that was there for, was it you, uh, Rosemary? Were you there many years? Yes. You, yes, you, I was. You, you were there for three or four years in Vegas. Seven. Seven years. You see, when we went there, we, our contract was for six months. And then when we were so successful, after three days, we all had to sign for a year. So we stayed a year and 10 days. And then the next show came in, it stayed two years. The next one came in and stayed three or four years. And you were in the, at the heyday when you stayed for all that time. Were they all different shows? There were three the different same? shows. Three different. Three different shows. The seventh, the eighth, and the ninth. And did you go back to Paris in between? No, it was all after I left Paris. All on. God. All with Don. All with Falco, the designer. Falco, yes, yes, and, and yes, Don. as uh, Pete yes. said. Now, and was Bill still there? Bill DeAngelis? Oh, no, sorry. Bill DeAngelis left the show before. Went to the Tropicana. No, MGM. I don't know where, when he, it burned. I don't know where he went. It, he was in he the went. fire. Yes, <laughs> he saved Miss Bluebell in the fire, I believe. I heard. Walter Shana was the yeah. uh, stage manager the whole time oh, right. I was there. Sorry, and Sherry, we died <laughs> we've gone off course that's we've okay off, we've gone off um, <laughs> how about elizabeth or pete or miles or alexandra do you guys have anything that was a really good question because even alexandra like you you are still in it but you had to take a year and a half off for covid so you know those skills are still they still matter because you weren't always doing the show mm -hmm. i'll go okay <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, got confused for a second. Everyone yeah. waving. Sorry, we were waving to Rachel leaving. <laughs> okay. Oh. Uh, I'll uh, I had... oh, sorry. No, let's, 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 let's do Alexander, then we'll do Miles. Um, yes, that was uh, quite difficult for us to just stop and not knowing when we would be back and if we would be back at any point. So I guess that was very difficult. And then when we came back, it's um, some of the things uh, have changed. You don't get as many replacements and it's a little bit different and well, the situation is still going on. Um, so we're still a little bit uh, worried of how it's going to work if we're not going to stop for some time at some point again. Um, but I actually do have a question. Uh, because I think it was Athena mentioned before and someone else as well that you were a short nude and then a tall nude 
So was there a distinction before? Yeah, uh, I didn't understand that. Yes, the short, it's, it was the same for bluebells. There was a short bluebell line and a tall bluebell line as well in Jubilee. And so the height was 5'8 to about 5'10 for shorts and then 5'10 and up for the talls. They did make exceptions. Like the girl who broke her contract that allowed me to move into her spot was six foot three. And they, oh. I, I got to wear her oh. massive costumes for three months or for nine oh months. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was a little, it was funny. <laughs> but they well, then, so. Hello, yeah. hello, hello, Hollywood. Hello had ponies, which were short news. And I think it might've been the only show that called them ponies. So when we talk about ponies in the show, people, because we also had horses in the show. So they were like, not understanding. We're talking about real human dancers that were just shorter, that they were would have been short nudes. But we didn't have we didn't have short bluebells. We just had tall nude, bluebells, short nudes. I mean ponies. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and some little mice. Sorry. Where is the Lido now in Paris? Where physically? Still oh, on the Champs-Élysées, same place. It's still on the Champs-Élysées. It, but not further up, yes. It's not, it used to be a 78, uh, but now that's, I think it's a Starbucks. Oh, but nice. it's right yeah. near the Metro Georges V. And I don't know if you girls were there, but maybe five years ago, they closed it and they refurbished the whole inside. It is stunningly beautiful. Oh, and they cool. still have the whole ballroom dancing before. Yeah. And then... The, the, the seats go down and the stage goes up. So, I mean, just sitting there waiting for the show to start, oh. that whole elevator that moves, it's exciting even before you start. Um, oh, I have a question while I'm on. Are you, are you working every day of the week or you're not doing every day of the week? Alexa, oh, for me. Yeah. It's um, for you. Uh, so at the moment we're working, we started working from Thursday to Saturday. Uh, and then uh, we had a lot of booking, so they added the show on Sunday, and occasionally we do a matinee as well. Um, mm. So at the moment, we're only working those days, so everyone is working the same days. But the plan is to go back to normal seven days a week, Lido open seven days a week. So we are going back to working six days a week and then having one day off. Uh, around Christmas, uh, that's the plan. And how it's going to be, we don't know yet. Wow. And the theater is is full. I mean, you're you you're playing, you're dancing to a packed house. Yes, at, at the moment, it's absolutely full every night. Good. Every night that we're open. Oh, that's so exciting, Miles. You had you had. We're going to say something about what you've brought out of that bluebell world. So, um, it's. My time was as for for we're actually working for Real Do, uh, for uh, Bluebell was during um, the transition between Bluebell and Pierre Rambert. So he was kind of behind the scenes taking over, and um, and you know she was there for the first show every night. She was very gracious. Um, she was an institution. But what was interesting about the Lido was the first time I never felt like every night I was auditioning, you know. Um, it was, there was just, there was a comfort level there, but something Mark did say doing, it was also the first time I did 14 shows a week or no, 12 shows a week because we, we the show went seven days, but we worked six days. And cause when I was in Vegas, I was only in an act in the show. So I was in 15 minutes a night 
but in Paris, you know, you know, two shows a night, six nights a week is a lot. And I came from the eight shows a week where on the weekends you did, you know, four shows and on Sunday afternoons, you'd be like, oh, and I, when I went back to that world, I tell my friends, oh, this is easy. Trust me. Go do go two shows a night, six nights a week. And, you know, because, yeah, it, whether it was a full house or it was the second show and it was half full and they were yeah. Japanese tourists that were falling asleep because they had done so much that day, you had to put out plain and simple, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it was uh, so that work ethic, um, which I had to some degree before then, but followed me till through, through today. I mean, you know, I sell real estate in, in Eastern Long Island and and it doesn't matter. You know, you just got to do it. You have to be ready. You have to be do it and be, and be ready to go and and change on a dime if, if something happens. Mm-hmm. Rosemary, did you have a question? Uh, yes, I wanted to make a comment. When I was in Paris, it was seven days a week with no days off, two shows a night. When I mm-hmm. was in Las Vegas, originally, there were uh, six days for two shows. And on a Saturday, it was three shows. Three. So that yep. was 15 shows with no days off. That's right. None. Right, Bunty? No days off yep. at all. And uh, eventually people got tired of it. The boys were yeah. lucky. They had uh, a situation when they, at one point they worked six weeks and then got one week off. And another point they organized it. So they worked six days a week. And then there was a big, huge strike threat. And uh-huh. so, uh, the next show we did, what they did is they, for every six places on stage were seven girls. So the Bluebells finally were able to, have to work six days a week instead of seven. And then eventually Bluebell agreed that we could have a vacation girl. So if we wanted to take a couple of weeks off to go to England or anywhere we wanted, we would take our turn and have the vacation girl take our spot. Another way they handled it was when I was a swing girl, say for one number in the show and the other numbers, I had a permanent spot. So it wasn't so stressful for one girl to have to be the swing girl for all of the numbers. And that worked out pretty good. And they also didn't have to pay us extra because we only swung one number. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Don Arden, he was brilliant. The way he choreographed, he would always have bookends for everything. So if you had to do the opposite end of the stage, you simply, would reverse all of your steps if you were crossing over, but you had a pattern, which is what was very helpful when I would do choreography for my own students. So the whole show didn't fall apart if someone was sick. Mm -hmm. Very clever, very innovative. Pete, what were you gonna say? Well, uh, when when I did uh, Hello Hollywood, Hello and Jubilee, uh, for each group uh, of eight, there would be six women who were regulars on stage. The seventh woman would swing the other six. She'd go in uh, every night for one of the six. And the eighth woman was what we called a spare. And if, if somebody was ill or there was a problem with the show, the spare would go on as a swing. And, uh, and that worked very well for a very long time but near the end of jubilee god we had we had sw- singers 
swinging nudes. I mean, they had lovely breasts, but you know, they can also hit C above high C. <laughs> if I can the ask way you, organize the show always was amazing. I must go show you. Yeah. Bye bye, everybody. The spare never got on stage. She just had to come and be prepared. And if somebody was sick or injured, then she'd go on. Otherwise, she'd sit backstage. I don't know. I just fit the costumes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I never hung out backstage. Oh, man. So we, I had said, like, have questions prepared, but we're like in an hour and we're having people have to leave. So I have a question to end with, which this could be probably shortish. Do you have show dreams and what are they? Like, or show nightmares. I mean, are you ever back on stage in your dreams? I totally do. I have show dreams that I'm on stage uh, and I can't remember the choreography or I was always kind of late uh, in my life. <laughs> and so I would always come on and I wouldn't have a costume on. I would be naked on stage because I didn't have time to put my costume on. And that's a recurring <laughs> thing. Nightmare. That's, oh, Nightmare. That's that never happened, but um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something about being very vulnerable and exposed. Yeah, we can have an analyst on here. Got like, uh, yeah, Elizabeth, do you have show dreams or nightmares? Yes. Um, oh, I had it. So I, oh, I only danced for nine months, but forever I had the dream where I, you know, I was supposed to be on stage and I wasn't ready. I mean, it just stayed with me. Um, I had a second dream where I was at the top of a huge staircase, rather like the London Underground, you know, but it was the stage was at the bottom of the huge staircase and people are just coming up and I can't get down. And then once I hit about 60 years old, it quit. I also retired from work then. So that was so obviously carrying the stress of my job, but that's how it came into dreams. But once I retired, once I hit 60, it changed in that suddenly I was needed as the swing. Can you believe it? You know, but somehow they didn't notice my face was on. It was really weird. And I would I would just be, and of course I'd wake up really panicked. Okay, I couldn't dance that well when I was 20, and here I was. So yes, I'm, I'm, my adrenaline's flowing now as I tell the story. <laughs> so tell I have a, had a dream this last few weeks, like because I talk to you all the time and I'm watching videos and photos that I am at the Lido in Paris. I was with Anne in a dream a few nights ago that people are in costumes that we've never seen. And like, you guys are supposed to be on. We don't know how to get backstage. So we walk through the house and we walk on the stage. And Rowena was in my dream that it was all the bluebells for the 75th were telling stories. And we walked right through it, trying to get backstage. I had a dream the other night that I'm backstage in a G-string and you can't see the G-string because my belly's hanging over it. Oh. And, and I'm like, you guys hired me, you know, I'm fat right now. Right. And I'm old. They're like, Oh, that doesn't matter. And so I put the costume on like, okay, because I've had weight issues, but somehow in my dream now, I'm like, you, this is what you get. <laughs> and then they said, well, you know, we're going to make you a dress. And so I have a beautiful gown. I get to just go on the Lido stage and do a walk on like a cameo. And that's it. And I'm like, Oh, this is good. Okay. You don't want to see me in a G string, but there is something now that I'm like this, this is how it looks like. If you want me, this is what you get. Okay. <laughs> Pete, please make me a costume that covers my belly. Okay. <laughs> what, other, what other show dreams do we have out there? I'll go if, if everyone. Yeah, wants. Athena. I've actually talked about these dreams with a lot of my guests on my podcast. And uh, for me, my dreams have changed over the last 20 years since, well, I guess it's only been 15 since I was on the stage, but you know, 21 years ago, I 
grace the jubilee stage and back then up until about five years ago it was always like i didn't have the right costume on and um they were like you have to go into one of the principal spots or you can't go into any of the principal spots just really weird stuff it's always uh, i can't find my costume or I didn't learn the new choreography when the new choreographer came in and changed it. So, and it's always like, oh, we need you to come back right now. And my dreams have changed since the show closed, since Fluff passed. She's, she wasn't in them for a really long time, but in the last month or about six months, she's coming back into the dreams and the dreams are changing. So I actually want to make a video about all the dreams I've been having because it's, they speak to me. That's the only way I guess my subconscious speaks to me. So it's yeah. through show dreams. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Rosemary, what about you? Well, I, mine isn't a dream. Mine was reality. What happened a few times. So I didn't have to dream about anything. When I was in the Lido in Paris, I put a headdress on with all those long feathers backwards. Oh. So I'm on stage and the feathers are forward instead of back. I was only in the show <laughs> week at that point. And so I had to hold my neck up very high so the feathers would stay back. That was a reality. And I'm quite sure that I'm not the only one that's done something really stupid. No, it's I'm just sure you. there's others okay. out there. Surely yeah, all, I'm not the only one. No, we all probably have this. Uh, Miles, do you have a, a, a dream? Um, I, I used to for a couple of years after I stopped dancing completely and they were definitely stress related and they always were exactly the same. I was coming back from vacation and I was in the show and I could not remember a single step of choreography. That was always, but they were always during this very stressful time. But what's funny this summer, I, and I haven't had one of those dreams, dreams in more years than I could tell you, but this summer I was going through something very stressful and I was having this dream. I was at this house and suddenly it was going to the backyard and they were doing, I did this number in a show once. It, I, we called it the cheerleader number. It was this very Americana number. And we hated it because it was literally like being a cheerleader. And I go in the backyard and these two cast members that I had worked with were doing this number and I screamed at them to stop. And it was so, <laughs> it was so like vivid that I, both sent both a message the next day on on Facebook. I was like, "You're not going to believe this. That red, white, and blue number. I had the dream. You, I was basically at home, and you guys were in the backyard doing it. It's crazy. But they, <laughs> whenever I do, it's always because of stress. Stress of my yeah. life at that moment. Yeah, I have a lot of. I think it's like I don't know what I'm doing. Or I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, or a little imposter syndrome. Like I'm, or I'm not ready for the next thing that's coming. Or maybe I was sleeping through this thing I was supposed to learn. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, Mark, do you have any? Do you have any show dreams or show nightmares? Yeah, I already spoke um, that I that I can't oh, yeah. I can't get you I can't get you where I'm supposed That's to right. be. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah. The Lido in Vegas was a labyrinth backstage. Um, and so we had this waterfall and we came down from the ceiling and I could never I didn't ever have the right costume and I couldn't find my way on stage. And that's a repeating thing that I still have today. <laughs> we need therapy for all of this. Um, I'm curious, Pete, because you would probably have very different show dreams because you've also, you've been a performer and a costume designer and you worked with Don Arden. So you might have some nightmare dreams. Oh, I, I do from my dancing days. Uh, I, I had auditioned for uh, Jerry Robbins 
for uh, the movie of West Side Story. And uh, I, I didn't get it, but I replaced Elliot Feld in, in, the, in the show. And uh, I, I, especially the older I get, I have the, the same dream that someone's putting, giving me my costume and saying, you know, you, you, have, to, you have to go on and do the show. And uh, I keep saying, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm too old. I'm 79. Uh, I don't think I'd live through cool anymore. <laughs> I don't think I could even market. And, uh, and I played Baby John in, in the show from first national tour when I was 17 until I, did, I didn't do it all the way through, but I did six different companies of Westside from 17 to 25. And I thought I was too old to do Baby John at 25. So 79. <laughs> I think you could pull it off. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. So Alexandra, you're in the current cast because I think I had, it's different to have old dreams, but do you have show dreams while you're actually in the show? No, I actually don't. Now that I listen to you, I realized that I've never had like a showgirl nightmare. I mean, there was one thing that happened to me on stage that obviously shouldn't happen. Um, that was when I just started swinging. And sometimes they just tell you that you have to swing just before the show or just before the number. And so I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I know more or less. And I was thrown from a stage right to stage left. So I was told you basically do the same, but stage left. So I thought I would have to reverse the whole combination. So then I arrived in the line and there was Hillary with me, who you also interviewed. And I, I don't know why she was a swing as well. And for a, f a few years already. And then she started reversing the choreography. So I followed her. I thought, okay, I'm a swing. This can be anything. I, I, okay, I will reverse it. And then I look at the captain and she looks at us like we were nuts. Like, what are you guys doing? It's the same leg. So, <laughs> so just I so you know. Yeah, just hearing all times. this. Sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Sorry. That was the only time that I, I think I did something wrong on stage. Really? I so you'll, hearing our stories, just get ready. When you're about 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, you're going you're gonna to have these. I can yeah, I'm naked on stage. <laughs> I can imagine because since I graduated from music school, I keep having this dream that I come to music school after many weeks of absence. And then they tell me that tonight is my uh, last exam and I have no idea what I'm playing. So I can imagine I will, I will be having those dreams. All the, all the therapists listening, you can like write in and tell us. Um, We're going to wrap this up because I know we could probably talk for the longest time. Um, we might have to do part two or maybe the 200th episode. So even just getting this many people on here, I thought, I wonder if we'll need questions because I know we can talk, but I know that you guys had probably brilliant questions that we might have to like just post out on social media for people to answer. But I do want to thank you. And this will come out next Thursday, which will mark the 100th episode. And I want to thank each of you for being a guest for your private interviews at other times and for doing this because it was just really great to see you face to face. And it was really fun to watch you interact with each other. So many blessings to you all. Take care of yourself. And I'm going to stop the recording because I know we could go forever. But this was wonderful. Thank you all. And thank once you. a bluebell, always a bluebell. <laughs> Don't forget. <laughs>